I do want to thank Trevor for uh, his choice of songs uh, this morning because they most definitely um, reflect the sacrificial commitment um, and the, the, the overarching message of uh, what we're looking at today. So, starting uh, then with a quick recap. Um, last week, uh, Wayne was talking about that communal repentance that was going on. Um, it was everybody coming together to say that they were sorry to God. And it was very much a collective responsibility, a collective acknowledgement of not only their own sins, but the sins of previous generations. And so we move on now to what has been called sacrificial commitment. And I've been sort of put a little twist on it, bringing the first and the best. And it's based on Nehemiah 10 from verse 1 to chapter 12, verse 43. Understandably, we won't be looking at every single verse uh, in those um, one, two, three chapters, basically. Um, I want us, first of all, to ponder on that word sacrifice and how we tend to use it today. Because obviously in Nehemiah's day, sacrifice would have been a very real physical experience of bringing the sacrificial lambs week in, week out. Um, they would have been very in tune with that first definition you get, well, in the, the dictionary I looked up, it was the first definition to bring an animal to offer to a deity it puts it. Um, but um, in terms of our, our own sort of perhaps more usual term these days, it's to give up something valued for the sake of other considerations, it says. To give up something valued for the sake of other considerations. Every year we have, don't we, a service of remembrance either here in church or in the town as a communal gathering when we remember the sacrifice of so many men, principally and women, for our nation's freedom. We rightfully laud those who have laid down their lives for us and for past and future generations. And it's particularly poignant, isn't it? It always is to me when I stand there, if I do go up to town, and I read how young some of the soldiers were who lost their lives and died in conflict. True sacrifice. Um, I'm sure that we can use the word sacrifice in a pretty flippant way, you know, such as sacrificing a piece of chocolate cake for an apple because we need to lose weight, or something of... Uh, equal insignificance. And then we can we know people who um, uh, who give up a lot to further a call that they've heard from God or they sacrifice a career because they need to look after someone. And I found a few notable quotes, a few quotes 
You could find lots more about what sacrifice is about. Good intentions are not enough. Commitment and sacrifice are necessary. The greatest things in life are all require commitment, sacrifice, some struggle and hardship. It's not easy, but absolutely worth it. And then we have this from Mother Teresa. A sacrifice to be real must cost, must hurt, must empty ourselves. I'm going to leave it at that for some quotes from other human beings, some significant, some not, about sacrifice. From a Christian perspective, we know that as Christians we are called to live a life of sacrifice. In Romans 12 verse 1, we read these familiar verses. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I've been reflecting on uh, some of our own Christian friends and what they have uh, given up to follow the call of God. I think uh, of a minister and his wife in our Bradford days, um, Ernie Wally and his wife Mary, um, and uh, they chose to live in uh, the building that was right next to the church in the middle of Bradford. Um, it always struck me as a particularly um, significant thing that they had done because uh, they could have had a manse which was only, I don't know, a mile down the road, but it was next to a park. And uh, they could have stayed there. They could have um, enjoyed, a, a, you know, a nice surroundings, a little bit distance from the church. But no, they, they, they basically chose to live in, in the middle, uh, right next to the church where they were serving. And uh, the outlook was pretty grim, as I recall. Um, me, as you know, coming from the middle of Cheshire, found Bradford pretty grim in the middle. Um, but uh, this this place in particular, I think there was some dereliction, there was, there was building work going on. It, it wasn't a pretty place to live, but they chose to do that so they could be closer to the community that they were serving. And um, lots of you will know Beth Powney, um, who was... Um, a member with, along with her, her husband Stephen and family in younger years, uh, a member of this church, and she had a call to ministry. She had a long wrestle with God, and I'm speaking with her permission. I phoned her up yesterday and said, could I use this as an, as an example because it came to my mind. I know she had a long wrestle with God about the sacrifice that this would mean. And the principal sacrifice that she had, she knew she'd got to make, was the loss of relationships. She would have to lose um, a relationship she wanted to have with her children. She wouldn't be on hand for her children in the same way she hoped she would be. With her friends, with her church family, and also her mother, who at that time uh, had moved into Billericay, particularly to be with her. 
or to be close to her. So she had um, wrestled, she said. She walked up and down wrestling with God about this sacrifice of relationships that she had to make. Although she knew the call on her life was there to be a minister. So she finally got round to going to her mum to say, Mum, I have a call to be in the ministry, which means we're going to have to leave Billericay. And her mum said, I wondered why I'd been thinking I should move back to Hertfordshire. And she was completely unfazed by it. So God had gone before her. She knows that, Beth knows that, to, to pave the way for that particular sacrifice of relationship. And um, we, we know we, we've kept in touch with Beth and Stephen um, and uh, we, we have a, an annual uh, weekend together um, for uh, couples who get together. And we know that, that, that how, how delighted they were when we started doing that because they had removed themselves from the familiarity of fellowship with a, a church, although obviously Beth had moved and she was pastor then of a church in Sandy. Um, obviously the relationships you have with a congregation aren't the same as the relationships you have with friends. So they, they were missing that sort of strength of relationship. Um, and I know from what she said yesterday that when they then she then moved on, they moved on to Fetford when uh, Beth became the EBA regional minister team leader um, the situation in terms of, of um, lack of relationships was even worse because she was then not attached to a particular church she was going hither and thither um, to different churches and settling down in one place was, was very difficult however she says with no um, hesitation at all that God was with her and Stephen in all of the moves that they made and um, that she knows that that sacrifice she was called to make was for his will for her life and the life of those that she served so I just wanted to pave the way a little bit uh, before we look in, uh, at various aspects of the passage we've got before us we heard last week about the communal re- repentance of God's people recorded in Nehemiah. The putting on of sackcloth and ashes as they fasted and admitted their failings before God. And now we see them as a nation, again, submitting sacrificially to the authority and the purposes of God. This would involve literal sacrifices of animals as prescribed by God's laws for that time and a commitment to allow every part of their lives to be a sacrificial offering. So I think the first thing that came to me as I was reading through was that this was a communal act. They all make a commitment to keeping the covenant. They do it as a community, God's people together, just as they had repented as a community. And I do feel that We've got plenty of evidence to show that when we as a church body get together and we uh, are of one mind, we come before God uh, as one people, then 
we know his blessing and he can use us, he can move on the church. So Nehemiah 10, verses 28 to 29, it says, The rest of the people, priests, Levites, gatekeepers, musicians, temple servants, and all those who separated themselves from the neighbouring peoples for the sake of the law of the law of God, together with their wives and all their sons and daughters who are able to understand. All these now join their fellow Israelites, the nobles, and bind themselves with a curse and an oath to follow the law of God given through Moses, the servant of God, and to obey carefully all the commands, regulations and decrees of the Lord our God. And I've just highlighted all their sons and daughters who were able to understand. So it wasn't just the leaders, it was everyone including the uh, the children who could understand. Everyone included who could possibly understand what they were doing. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Psalm 133. So they, they, make this commitment and in those days swearing to a curse um, and an, an oath was a common practice um, in Deuteronomy uh, 27 uh, there's a long list of the curses they could expect if they didn't follow um, God's law and Obviously, for us, we have the blessing, as um, I believe Trevor has already alluded to, of us being released from any curse. Galatians 3.13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. So we are free from that situation of of curse. But it doesn't mean to say that we shouldn't be accountable for our actions. And I think as a body of people, we should be, not saying we are, in a place where we can uh, open ourselves for accountability to each other when we are working as a body together. And they made a commitment to submit to the authority of God's revelation as found in the scriptures. To follow the law of God given through Moses, the servant of God, and to obey obey carefully all the commands, regulations and decrees of the Lord our God. The same is true for God's people today. This commitment to the authority of scripture must be applied to present situations. And uh, I was thinking that last week, Wayne spoke something of that, didn't he? Saying that um, 
whilst we need to be aware of what is going on in the world and the interpretation of different things. He didn't allude to anything in particular. We also need to stand strong in what Scripture says. It's hard. It gets increasingly difficult, doesn't it? To to get the, the right perspective, the godly perspective on many issues. So how did this um, commitment, this sacrificial commitment, manifest itself? Firstly, it manifested itself in their family life. They were uh, committing to no intermarriage. In verse 28, verse um, it says, we won't give our daughters to the peoples of the land or take their daughters for our sons. So they were keeping themselves pure. They were keeping themselves in a way which meant they didn't have to um, sort of accommodate other people's morals or structures. They were going to be able to bring their children up to know God and to follow the law of God. And we've already um, read that all those children uh, who could understand were party to this commitment that was being made. Secondly, they were committing themselves to the Sabbath, a faith commitment to honour the Sabbath and the sabbatical year. And this would have um, impinged very much on their daily lives. Okay? Because we know, don't we, that it wasn't just about going to church. It was about reserving that day um, for God. One moment, I'm just going to have a swig of water. Because they also had the year of Jubilee, when debts would be released, and other holy days. Uh, they were committing to having a day, uh, uh, the seventh year, as a day, uh, sorry, a year of rest, which meant that they were committing themselves to walk by faith because they would not be working. And in that culture, not working meant not earning. So they were committing themselves not to work when God said not to. To be still and listen to him. And this was much more of a sacrifice than most of us would ever or have ever faced. Are we prepared to do that? Doing nothing is as much part of our sacrificial commitment as doing something. It's difficult to do because we are wonderful at being doers rather than beers. And we feel vulnerable, don't we, when we're not doing things. It can be a mask for how we feel about ourselves. Some of us hide behind doing things put my hand up to that on occasions. We need to remind ourselves that we're not the sum of our doing and God is still working when we're being. I am not my production, as somebody's put it. It's handing over authority to him, sacrificing what we could do or could earn and resting in him for his provision. We've got the model, haven't we, in Genesis 2 of God 
setting out that seventh day and resting because by the seventh day he'd finished the work he had been doing so he rested for all his work then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done I put it to myself I put it to you that taking time out just to be with God is part of our sacrificial commitment. Then there was the um, financial commitment to finance the, the church. And this was, um, as that is a table. Anybody know what's on that table? Anybody? It's a showbread, yeah. It's a showbread that they committed to providing that, but lots of other things as well. Nehemiah 10, 32 and 33. We assume the responsibility for carrying out the commands to give a third of a shekel each year for the service of the house of the Lord. For the bread set out on the table, for the regular grain offerings and burnt offerings, for the offerings on the Sabbath, at the new moon feasts and at the appointed festivals, for the holy offerings, for sin offerings, to make atonement for Israel and for all the duties of the house of our God. They give generously. They commit to giving not just the basics, but everything. We need to give God our first, our best, our most. says in verse 38, we also assume responsibility for bringing to the house of the Lord each year the first fruits of our crops and of every fruit tree. They say we will not neglect the house of our God. We don't need to make these sin offerings today. The price has been paid by Jesus. But we do need to resource the church so the sacrifice of Jesus is proclaimed. God is glorified and lost people are evangelised. I'm sure that we all have our own um, limits to what we can give financially. And uh, we as a, as a church uh, we have been blessed manyfold over the years with the generosity of, of people's gifts and legacies that have been left so that we can provide um, support to the mission partners. It was great to hear about um, Matt uh, last week about the work that he and Lydia are involved in. And... Uh, I, I just know from myself it, it, it's something that uh, we can easily sort of uh, set up our um, bank accounts to give a certain amount every month. But it's, it's something that perhaps we all need to revisit and think, are we providing the money that is needed? Um, is there something, a one-off gift we need to make? Are we giving of our, our best? So, 
Lastly, we see the sacrificial commitment and submission of everyone to each other in terms of where they would live. There is no record here that I could find of any squabbles at this point. We know how they've been. We know how we are. But this is a very positive message of commitment and communal uh, sacrifice. Um, so, they agree where everyone should live. Now, um, it appears that only a tenth of the people could settle in the city itself. Um, it just wasn't big enough for everyone. So, what they did was, as we read here, now the leaders of the people settled in Jerusalem, the rest of the people cast lots to bring out uh, out of every, one out of every ten of them to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while the remaining nine were to stay in their own towns. The people commended all who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. So it was a really wholesome act of getting together, working out uh, who was going to live where and it wasn't just that the, the, the leaders w- were all in Jerusalem. They were spread about as well in the surrounding towns. And actually it was the whole of Judah where the people settled. As Eric Mason puts it in his, his book that we're following, Uh, The professional religious workers lived and worked among all of the people and were not in a vacuum where they were removed from the rest of society. Now, there's a long, long list. Uh, I would um, challenge you to read it all and get the pronunciation right of uh, all these myriad people who are mentioned. Um, Isn't it great that, that... Uh, Nehemiah records the names of these people because they were all important and it's it's very um, important, isn't it that we realise that everyone has their place everyone has their role and everyone has their importance in the church today Those living outside Jerusalem are named in the same way, but the different regions are listed. They're not forgotten. Because of their right standing with God, the people of Israel became a shining example to all around them. The rebuilding of Jerusalem wasn't just a physical construction, but a spiritual rebirth for Israel. A recommitment to their God and each other. Because of this, they knew the favour of God upon them. They became a city on a hill, the light of the world, not just physically, but spiritually. It wasn't so much about their physical position as the fact that they were together in unity, committing themselves Repenting, deciding to follow the way of God. And this sacrificial commitment results in a time of celebration. We read about two choirs, we read about 
singing, everything being um, organized as a huge celebration of God's um, provision for them. On that day, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. And as we think about our own situation, our light to the surrounding uh, community is as much about who we are as people and what we're doing in the community as the physical presence, not that I'm discounting the physical presence at all. So where do we stand? just want to do a quick recap. Sacrificial commitment, what does it mean? A personal and communal act. To submit to God's way in every part of our lives. In harmony with others. To become the people of God. And if we take those away, we're left with the people of God and the cross of Jesus. Because through Jesus, we have a hope that is steadfast and certain. We have his example of perfect sacrifice. He did not count his equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, we read in Philippians 2. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And God has exalted him to the highest place, and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I just want to uh, finish with Uh, The words of a song by Matt Redman. Maybe you want to close your eyes as I read these out, or not, as the case may be. Lord, I am not my own, no longer my own. Living now for you and everything I think, all I say and do is for you, my Lord. Now, taking up the cross, walking on your path, holding out your truth, running in this race, bowing every day, all for you, my Lord. And what I have vowed, I will make good. Every promise made will be fulfilled, till the day I die, every day I live, 
It is for you. It is for you. Earth has nothing I desire that lives outside of you. I'm consumed with you. Treasures have no hold. Nothing else will do. Only you, my Lord. Lord, as we bring ourselves to you afresh, we commit ourselves and each other in a sacrificial way to say that we will follow your path. We will follow you. We will open ourselves up to the work of the Holy Spirit to make us a better body of believers working in harmony with each other to share the light of Jesus Christ with those that we meet, with those who come to gather with us week by week. And we thank you. We thank you with all our hearts for your supreme sacrifice. Amen.